You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 55. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. All right, everybody. So today we're talking to Christine Malsbury. Christine is the founder and creative director of the Brazen Beauty Movement. She's an artist, personal fashion stylist, and entrepreneur who lives in Los Angeles, California. How are you doing, Christine? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Thanks. Oh, we're for happy to have you too. Yeah. I know we've been talking about this for a little bit, trying to make it happen. So I'm happy we were able to find some time. Yeah, definitely. Busy schedules. Yeah. So is there anything you want to fill in from the the little bio before we go any further? Well, um, yeah. So I'm a fashion stylist and uh, I work with folks on like their amazing clothing um, and creating a beautiful style for them. I work with some entrepreneurs on creating um, a personal brand so they can show up for their events and really rock their events, do their interviews, do their pictures, their social media, all of that good stuff. I know today I'm going to be talking with you guys about romance. Um, you know, what I'll say is uh, I'm a fashion stylist, but my background is as a researcher and as an anthropologist. So I actually have a PhD in anthropology from UCLA, and I did a lot of research for a long time, and I, I focused on culture and people and human development. And so I bring a lot of that into my fashion styling because it's really about, you know, who are you as a person, right? Like, what is your heart like? What is your soul like? Like, what is your, like, what kind of a person do you want to, you know, how do you want to express who you are to the outside world? And so I treat clothes like a language. Um, and I really believe that everyone has their own authentic style. And so for me, it's really about bringing out that authentic style that exists within you rather than telling you, oh, this is what's in uh, fashionable this season. So you should wear this shoe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love that too. Like I'm, I'm deep in the fashion industry. Don't get me wrong. Like I love, you know, right now we're doing white shoes and I'm, I'm into it. You know, like I got a couple of my clients, pairs of like Celine, like white heels. And they look amazing. But, um, you know, ultimately it's not about dressing you in the trends. It's about finding out what your heart is like and then uh, helping you to express that so that you can connect with people. Yeah, and I know one thing that you've been doing some of is working with people who maybe don't fit the typical kind of uh, fashion mold in terms of looking a little alternative to you or that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, I'm in a little bit of a war with, uh, you know, just the anonymous mass market fashion that's out, out there. You know, one of the things that's happened. So there's definitely longstanding style principles, right? Like there's certain things, style is an art form like anything else. So, you know, just like you, if you would learn in photography, like, well, here's how light works. And here are the times of day that light is really good to take a picture. And in the same way with style, there are those concrete principles 
If you are, for example, a warm, you're going to look better in warm colors than you're going to look in cool colors. There's simply nothing you can do about that. It just is what it is. This is light. This is color. You know, I tried to get away with wearing warm colors for a long time because I love them. And then I saw pictures of myself and I was like, okay, time to stop doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just like wasn't working. So there are these principles, but at the same time, within those principles, there's a lot that you can do to express who you are authentically, express your individuality, and you and we should express our individuality. I mean, I think, you know, I always like to look to nature for this. I mean, you look at nature and there's, you know, every single different kind of like crazy looking animal out there, like giraffes. Like what, what, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Is this a cursing podcast? Absolutely. All the fucking All right, time. Like yeah. what the fuck is up with giraffes? Do you know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> insane looking, like they've got long ass legs. They're like yellow with black spots. And then they have this like insane long neck, like they're crazy looking, but they're also like so, so beautiful. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, you're not going to take a giraffe and try to make a giraffe, like look like a horse. A giraffe is just going to be a giraffe. Do you know what I mean? But like, let's help the giraffe be the most beautiful giraffe that uh, it, he, she can possibly possibly be. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really like about your approach is understanding that not everybody kind of fits into a fashion mold, right? Like take me for example, right? Like it would be very strange to see me like dressed up like the first lady, you know what I mean? Like I could not rock like the, the long skirt and, and the blouse and things like that. Like that would just look very not authentic on me. And when we feel that way, when we feel like we're not ourselves in our clothes, right? And I'm not a I'm not a fashion person. I'll be the first person to say that. But I know even just from my own experience, being in clothes that I feel don't match who I am make me feel really uncomfortable and make me feel kind of icky and gross and really not sexy, not pretty, not desirable, which kind of brings us to kind of like our topic talking about you know, dressing for romance and things like that, which is it's kind of this idea that when we don't match who we are and 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 what it is that sort of makes us feel good inside, it doesn't mesh for us. So I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about this because you really embody that whole idea of being your authentic self. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful compliment. And thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's that's right on. And I love that you use the word embody, because that's really, I I think that's really what my work is about is about embodiment. You know, I, I come from outside the fashion industry. And my background is in, you know, painting, photography, you know, architecture, anthropology, you know, visual culture, media, uh, research, and I'm also a longtime dancer. And so I bring a lot into the fashion world. And when I first became a fashion stylist, I thought that because I didn't have that like really classical training, like I didn't go to St. Martin's in London and, you know, I didn't like, I didn't have all this, all this other stuff that other people had. I thought that was going to hurt me. But instead what I've realized is that like coming from the background as an artist that I come from and as an anthropologist, like I've, I've been able to enter an industry and bring a little bit, hopefully of peace and clarity to people who I think have been really hurt by the fashion industry. I mean, I think that you know, there's a lot of pain there and there's a lot of reactivity. And I see this all the time in my work that women, I think men too, increasingly really suffer because, you know, we're living in a society that's basically like, you get to look like this 
or this or that period, you know? And so folks who don't fit into those really tight little boxes are like, well, fuck it. I'm not doing any of it. But then unfortunately what happens is they throw the baby out with the bathwater because they don't know just these really simple classic principles of style. And so then they're running around feeling really unattractive, right? Because they've rebelled, they've thrown it out, but they, they don't have the, the, the style principles. So, you know, I, I have never really liked black or white thinking or black or white actions. I'm a huge fan of the middle way. You know, I'm not myself a practicing Buddhist, but I, I, I appreciate the, the spiritual philosophy there. And I think there is something about bringing that sanity of the middle way. So it's sort of like, okay, like here's the outline. And then within that outline, like color yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that's what I do with my clients. I'm like, here's the outline within that. Like, how can we really bring out who you are and literally embody you? Like, let's get you embodied. And it just calms everything down and people feel so much better and they feel so much like themselves that like just really beautiful things start to happen in their life. And I didn't even like, I didn't, when I first started this work, like I wasn't, I wasn't after like changing people's love lives or changing people's financial lives. Like I was just, I just wanted to pick out shoes and like, cause I like them. Do you know what I mean? Like it was really fucking simple. It was like, I really like clothes and I just want to pick them out for people. But then like I got into this work and it was like I would style someone and then she'd go like, like get a boyfriend and she had a boyfriend and, you know, or girlfriend or whatever in like 10 years, you know, and I was like, what, what just like, what happened there, you know, or then it was like, you know, like someone would go out and just like make a bunch of money, like literally right after I styled them, like one of my clients made 15 grand, like the next day after I styled her. And it was like, what is going on? And so like over, you know, the years that I've been doing this, like I've seen more and more that it's like. You know, it really is about that, like, alignment. Like, when you are aligned with who you are deeply, deeply, and then communicating that to other people every moment and communicating it to yourself, something really magical happens. It's alchemy. It's alchemy. Like, shit changes into gold, you know? So it's a really, it's a really fun job. And um, I'm proud of myself for creating it for myself. Yeah, so part of how we wound up having this discussion is you recently started doing this dressing for romance yeah. uh, <laughs> program or series. I guess it's series of series of courses that you're working on. Can you tell us a little bit about how you wound up getting, cause that's such an interesting, an interesting branch, right? From the, the everyday fashion to specifically fashion for romance. Basically what happened was, you know, my, my clients sort of tell me what to do. So, you know, one of my clients, uh, one of my VIP clients, and so I have sort of different levels of what I do. And, and uh, for some people, um, I work with, you know, one on one, it costs a lot of money. Um, and I and it's really fun and amazing work. So one of my VIP clients, like, you know, I, I spend time in women's closets with them. I spend time in women's dressing rooms with them. Do you know what I mean? And she was like, she was always asking me questions about my love life and like what was going on. And and I have I have a really fun and fabulous love life. And then she was like, you know, she's like, I want you to I want you to help me. Like I want you to like talk. She's like, she basically hired me as a dating coach. And I was like, okay, so now I'm like styling her and I'm sort of like supporting her in the area of like love. And slowly what I began to see is that so much about style is about our sexuality. So if you're comfortable and confident in your sexuality, 
that exudes through this embodiment and authentic self-making experiment that is, I believe, fashion styling. So I got really interested in sexuality. And because I'm kind of an obsessive lifelong learner, I started doing a certification course in sexuality studies. So that led from one thing to another. So I I became very consumed with like the, the intersection between fashion and sex, basically. And so I have developed over time this idea that there are five different erotic styles, right? So we have, we express our way. Now there's a lot, but just like as a guideline, it's sort of like, okay, there's like different ways that people express themselves. And I know there's other like sexologists who've come up with this stuff. And, you know, some of the sexologists that I study have sort of similar ideas. It's like, okay, there's like six different sexual expressions. I I like these types of things because it's sort of like, it's like fun. It's like, oh, which one am I? You know, and we're all, all of them all the time. But it is helpful to kind of think like, well, how do I express myself sexually? So I got, I I came up with this idea that there's five erotic styles or that there's five erotic selves. And then I was like, so if there's five erotic selves, how would this self dress, right? So for example, one of my five erotic styles is the emotional, okay? So someone who's like very emotive when they are having sex or engaged in sex, like, uh, like I'm a crier sometimes, you know what I mean? But I don't cry all the time during sex sometimes. But then I've got friends who like, they cry every time. Do you know what I mean? Like every time they have sex, like they cry and it's just like, they're, they're like, get into it and everything's really emotional. And I think society says like, well, that's bad, right? Like if you're, if you're a crier, there's something wrong with you. Or if you're really emotional or if you get really mad, there's something wrong with you. Cassie's you know, shaking her head super hard over here and fanning herself at the same I, time. I so. girls who cry during sex hot. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So I was like, so what if like there's nothing wrong with it? What if it's just an erotic style? And then I was like, well, that girl, that woman, whatever, what kind of lingerie would she wear? Do you know, like, what kind of lingerie would she wear? What kind of date night outfit would she wear? And so what I decided was like, if you're like a, if you're a crier during sex, like you probably want like really like gorgeous, like very highly textured, kind of like embroidered, like almost like renaissance like, you know, sort of colorful. Like, so I got into this whole thing and like picked out lingerie, like that's what that kind of person would wear. And then I did the same thing for like, you know, people who are like dark and stormy, right? So it's like, I call it the dark erotic. I'm a dark erotic. I'm like, if you smack me around a little bit during sex, like I'm a happy girl. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. You're let's on the do right it. Like, as dark as possible. Like, <laughs> tie me the fuck up. Like, that's what I want. You know what I mean? So that's what turns me on. And I'm like, so what is the dark and erotic? Like, what would she wear? And it's like, that girl's like very mysterious. You know what I mean? Like her, she's got like, maybe she like covers everything and it's like all black, but then there's just like a long slit that comes up the side of her dress, you know? So she's like walking around and mysterious and dark, but then like, boom, there's the leg. So I had a lot of fun with this concept and I developed it into a little course that I sell that people are really loving. Uh, and, and it's a fun experience because uh, when you sign up for it, you get an email every morning with some exercises to do and you figure out what your erotic style is. And then there's like a series of like videos and I give you some ideas. Um, and so by the end of the course, you've identified your erotic style. You know what lingerie you, you should wear based on your erotic style. Um, and then you have a date night outfit based on your erotic style. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so I think this is a really interesting thing. And this is, you know, this is one of the things that interested us about this whole discussion. 
is people, you know, when you hear people talk about fashion and, and style and things like that, there there's never really any emphasis put on the... I don't say the sexy end of things. That's not the right word because people talk about sexy all the time. But I mean, but actually towards like, you know, what is it specifically that you would wear out on dates? What is it specifically that you would wear to keep things, uh, you know, maybe keep things a little engaged in the bedroom? You know, you, you don't have those kind of you don't hear those kinds of discussions very often. No, you don't. It's almost as if people are scared of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know what is going. I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, it's a whole world and it is so fun. I think it's so fun to get dressed up for a lover. Like it's part of my erotic play, you know, just that, that ritual of, you know, the preparation of perfuming your skin, massaging your, you know, brushing your hair or, you know, putting on this outfit or that outfit. And it's been sort of turned into something that causes people anxiety, right? So it's like, it's like, oh my God, like, first of all, like I should be so self-empowered that I'm not going to dress for him, you know, uh, him or, or her or whatever, right? Like I, I partner with men, so I'll just use him for myself. But it's like, you know, like I have women say like, oh, you dress for a guy as if somehow I'm some kind of like disempowered woman. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it's part of the erotic play. It's fun to dress for a guy. Like, I want to know, like, what is he like? What is he into? You know, and what I found is like, you know, I can almost tell what a guy is going to be like in bed based on what it is that he likes about what I'm wearing. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, like if I'm wearing something and he's like, oh, I like that. It's like, okay, yeah, you're into the dark erotic or like, okay, yeah, you're into uh, one of my other erotic styles. I call it frothy. That's the kind of Carrie Bradshaw. Just like, oh, like everything's like a surprise and like delicious. And she wears like tutus and like, you know what I mean? This is like this really like frothy character. So if you're into that shit, like that's not me. Like I don't really go there. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, if I'm wearing something like that and you like it, like I'm like, okay, like I wonder if we would even really match. Now it doesn't have to be all that serious it's more of just like it's fun it's a game it's exploration but there's something that's happened where it's like people are like oh my god I spend like two hours in front of my closet picking out an outfit and it's excruciating and it's like well what if it wasn't excruciating what if it was fun what if it was part of the erotic play you know what if it was like an enjoyable part of the romance what if undressing was an enjoyable part of the romance like what if dressing each other up you know like sometimes you know, if I have a lover for longer, I'll be like, you know, we'll get to the stage where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, why don't you tell me what to wear? Like, let's have you dress me up. Like, how fun is that? This area of life doesn't get any play in, in like traditional fashion media, right? No, it's interesting. I think, I think you've completely blown Cassie's mind with like, what is it? What is it you like sexually about somebody by what you like about what they're wearing now? I mean, for me, I'm kind of like, normally I'm picturing as much as I can them not in clothes. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would call that the bold erotic. So that's one of the erotic styles. And that's the woman who's just like, it's just like the traditional, like way out there, like in your face, like barely anything on. So you probably like a bold erotic style, I would say. There is one for that. Because I was like, is there one for just being naked? <laughs> Yeah, there is one for just being naked. That's the bold erotic, definitely. So do you feel like part of the reason why people don't get dressed up and don't have fun with this is is purely a fear that it's going to be daunting and stressful? Or do you think that some of this also plays into perhaps 
I've had a partner for a long time and I don't feel the need to anymore. I don't feel like I have to not I don't have to not wear the yoga pants and a sweatshirt because I have this person and and this person's already there in my life and I don't have to get dressed up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's sort of both. And I think both are the same issue, which is that in the U.S., we now produce 300% more clothes than we did even 10 years ago. Designers, labels are coming out with like 12 to 24 collections a year. We used to just have two to two to four. So we just basically have more clothes. Now, at that rate of production, all these clothes are also cheaper and labor has been outsourced, right? So clothes are made with cheap fabric. They're made in a cheap way. They don't hang on the body well. They don't look good. And there's been this split that's happened where there's cheap, 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 cheap mass market or there's high-end designer and there's very little in between. So a lot of what I do in my styling work is I work with people to access uh, what I call bridge brands, which are like the brands in between designers. So it's not Chanel, but it's not J. Crew. It's not Chanel, you know, it's not Gucci, but it's not, you know, Target. Unless if you want to wear Gucci, like I'm all about that because I love me some Gucci. Totally over the top, very much part of my dark erotic style. And so um, what's happened in the wake of that is people have just basically like, I think they're like, set, like, like they're overwhelmed. Like there's just too much. There's too much clothes. They don't know what to choose from. And then we've got technology coming in, right? So we've got like the advent of technology, the rise of Instagram in the last five years, where now you don't have to go to a fashion magazine. You just jump on your phone and there's fashion all the time. YouTube, like it's like completely overwhelming. And so it's no surprise to me that styling is one of the fastest rising professions because people need people to help them through this hot mess of a situation that we've created as it relates to people being in sort of a longer term relationship, I mean, I think the problem is that the idea of comfort has taken over and comfort's great, but you can have quality comfort, right? So I'm going to do an Instagram live. Uh, I try to do a live um, every evening, uh, Pacific time, six o'clock, East Coast time, nine o'clock on my, on my Instagram, which is 15 minutes, jump on. And like, I'm feeling really unwell today. I'm actually going to need to go to the doctor later. And I'm going to do an Insta live about how, like, even though I'm sick, like I'm wearing clothes, they feel like sweatpants, but they're not sweatpants because the, the, the pants that I'm wearing today are actually really great brand, really high quality, great fabric. I, I wear these, like if I have to go to like a more professional event, but they're like so comfortable and the way that they hang, I feel like I'm in trust. I'm, I'm, I'm in, in sweatpants. So they're dress pants, but they're sweatpants. You know what I mean? And then I've got a pair of sneakers on cause I don't feel good and I don't want to have my ballet flats on today, but they're like awesome stylish sneakers. So to the outside eye today, I look really pulled together, but I know that really I'm slumming around in some sweatpants. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just like secret sweatpants. Like I'm like, uh, cause I'm sick. Like I'm not up for like wearing a fancy dress and heels today. I'm just not up for it. Right. But I still look good. The problem is people just don't know how to access that. Right. It's just information. So they grab and choose a pair of like terrible, ugly sweats from like your Walmarts or whatever of the world. Right. And then it's like they feel like crap because the fabric is bad. The cut is bad. The design is bad. The color is bad. And why are all these things bad? Because it actually costs money to make good quality clothes. But nobody is willing to spend the money. 
Well, that's not true. People spend the money, but they spend the money on getting more instead of getting one quality piece because now it's excess, excess, excess. Buy, buy, buy all the time, all the time. Everyone's in your face, like sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. So a lot of what I do is let's get rid of the 200 things in your closet that you don't wear. Let's keep 25, 30 things and make those really quality things. And then you wear them all the time. You always look great. You always feel great. And it really expresses who you are authentically. So what do you think as far as, you know, one thing that, that Cassie and I have been talking about lately um, is we, you know, we deal with a lot of people who are in longer term relationships and it seems like, you know, there, there is, I think Cassie kind of started touching on it, but there is this, this kind of attitude of after you've been in a relationship for a while, you don't, you don't really feel the need to like show up sexy, I guess is the right word, right? Like you don't put the effort into the appearance and into making yourself feel sexy and cultivating that, I guess that atmosphere that you do when you're, you're first together. Is that something you run into a bit when you're working with people? I often get people after the love has already died. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot of people who come to me like they've already lost. They've are like they've already let it go for such a long time and then they've lost and they're heartbroken. And I get a lot of people who come to me and they're like I'm going to do it differently next time. So I, I get a lot of people who are like, wow, that fell apart. I let myself go. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't make myself a priority. And it's been really painful. And then, you know, like all style them sort of for their new life. And then they go out and they, they have the clothes to create that new relationship. I would love it if people would come to me before the love has died, you know, because I do think it's really important to, you know, we used to Look, I don't think it's an accident that Americans are more depressed than ever before. I mean, you look at the stats, we're more depressed, we're more isolated, we're more lonely. There, we used to dress to have a, a dignity, you know, in ourselves. We used to dress for our worth. We used to dress to show up in a particular kind of way. I mean, clothes are about embodiment, style's about embodiment. So I, I just think when I see people who are you know, in the head to toe black, covering it all up, sloppy, sloppy sweatpants, whatever. It's like, my question is like, how do you feel about yourself? Where's your self-worth? Now, we all know if you've got cripplingly low self-worth and I myself come from a background of, you know, I, I really had to fight my way to self-love. So I, I didn't grow up with this. I, I, I didn't inherit self-love. I actually come from a, a really difficult background, which, you know, is, is besides the point here, but just to kind of out myself and say like, this knowledge that I'm sharing is pretty hard won. You know what I mean? Like it's, it wasn't, I just, I wasn't just bored with it. I had to come to this understanding, but um, you know, if you, if you don't have self-worth, then it's very hard to also then treat people around you with worth, right? Because if you don't value yourself, uh, you're not, you're just going to treat people the way that you treat yourself, you know? So, so then you're undervaluing the people around you, you undervalue yourself. And I'm not saying that like, close our therapy, but I, I'm kind of saying close our therapy, you know, like <laughs> at a certain level, it's like, it's, it's, it's actually less expensive, faster therapy. I mean, everyone has had that experience where they put on a new outfit and they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, oh, oh, wow. And then that day you hold yourself differently. And that day you move your body differently. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like it, 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 you experience your way in a different, uh, you, you experience yourself in a different light. Now, I'm a fan of, um, you know, positive psychology, uh, brain neuroscience, which is a really fledgling new field. And I believe that there's actually something, you know, we know that you can change the brain to see yourself differently. Now, a lot of people do that through, you know, therapeutic means. I think that you can build that confidence from the outside in. I think you can build that worth from the outside in. If all you have in your closet are clothes that when you put them on, you're like, I feel great, then you are, you, you are going to experience yourself at a higher level of worth. So I think it, it starts with, you know, yes, dress for your partner, but also dress sexy for yourself. Like that's part of my erotic styles idea is like the clothes activate the style within you. It's not just that you have the style and dress in the clothes. It's that you put that lingerie on and that activates the dark erotic. That activates the emotional erotic. It gives you permission to play. You know, it's like, I'm, uh, it's, it's costume design, right? Like you get to show up to be this character that you've built. So I think it's pretty awesome what you're saying as far as the like showing up and that like mindset and action. Um, I'm going to pick on our partner for a minute. Um, our partner, Amanda, um, she loves her comfy clothes, right? And not too long ago, um, there was an evening that she got dressed up because we were going somewhere else. We were going out to go have dinner and it wasn't dressing up for us. It was dressing up to go out, right? Because when you go out, you want the rest of the world to see you in that that perfect light. And for her, after doing that, she actually felt very sexy and spunky, which Amanda is not necessarily the most like sexual person on the planet. She's kind of more on the asexual spectrum. But going out and doing that made her feel sexy, made her feel turned on. And it wasn't like I'm turned on because of you or I did this because of you. I did this and now it feels good and it's exciting me and I feel sexy and pretty. And I think when we feel that way, we tend to connect with our partners a lot better. We tend to create those experiences that we otherwise would ignore. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean by like, you can use the clothes to activate having a different experience in your body and in your brain. And then you actually rewire your brain to experience yourself in a different way. And then it stabilizes. It's, I found it interesting when you're talking about kind of the clothes that you wear as part of self-care. That's not really something that I put a lot of thought into before. So a lot of times we talk to people about relationships. One of the things that we talk about is, you know, it's that you kind of have to feed yourself first idea, right? Like if you're not happy, if your needs aren't being met, if you're not taking care of yourself, it's hard for you to show up. It's interesting the the idea that, you know, part of taking care of yourself, part of feeling good, part of showing up for people can be what it is that you wear every day. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's a form of self-love. It's a form of dignity. It's a form of um, getting to experience yourself as maybe even more than you thought you could be, right? So I always like the idea of 
placing yourself in circumstances that are slightly above what you're used to or what you can do, and then allowing yourself to grow into that. So, you know, I was a high school dropout. Um, I wound up getting a PhD from UCLA. I'd never been to a school like UCLA when I went there. You know, I'd been to these like, you know, like city schools, whatever. Um, and you know, that were crowded and, you know, the resources of UCLA were so amazing, but it was like, so I was very intimidated when I went there, but I purposely chose to send myself to the best school I could possibly send myself to because I wanted to put myself in a different kind of life and a different kind of category, you know? And so it's the same kind of idea. It's like, you know, if you walk out to the edges of who you are, and you really let yourself be there at the edge of who you are and then put yourself in a circumstance or a context that can up-level you, amazing things are possible. And then you just keep doing that and your life gets better and better. What are some things that you think that people tend to mess up when it comes to dressing for a partner? Like, I mean, I guess there's, there's a couple things here like to touch on that I can I can... I can kind of hop to, but, you know, I think dating is a dating is an interesting thing because it's both something where people like tend to mess up a lot in how they, you know, how they show up for that. But then at the same time, it's one of the only places people actually put in the effort as well. You get people who like one of the places I, I hear people, I think, asking the most about advice for how to dress, right? Like one of the only times people worry about how to dress is tends to be either for their, their jobs or when they're going out on dates. Um, but, and yet at the same time, it seems like people are really just unclear on how to get anywhere with that. Right. Like at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really tough area because you want to be yourself, but you also don't want to totally be yourself, right? <laughs> because like, you got to break somebody into like the quirkiness that is you. I mean, you want to put like, what do you say? Put your best foot forward, right? So, you know, some people might put their best foot forward by overdoing it and not looking like themselves at all. And other people are like, fuck it, I'm just going to go and be completely me and they just have to accept me. Well, why don't you like, like work the person in slowly. Like they don't know who you are. Like let them accept you over time. Do you know what I mean? So I've done a lot of dating um, and I've dated online a lot. And I would say, you know, a lot of the things that I think are, are kind of problematic is like, uh, go. it's almost like going too much in a sort of archetypal way. So like, I'm going to be sexy, which means being sexy is like something super low cut. I'm talking about girls, something super low cut or really high or like really high heel. And like that says sexy. Well, I think sexy is being, you know, that's why I, I love my, you know, my erotic selves, because I think it reframes and gives people a different way to think about being sexy. Like, again, like sexy for me is like if I have a little bit of a choker on at the neck, like if I wear a choker, like just a really, I wear a really like classy one. So nobody knows that I'm like a little bit dark and edgy in my sexuality, but like it makes me feel kind of edgy, you know? So it just looks like fashion, but it makes me feel edgy. And so I'm sort of like allowing that to come out or, you know, I know people who want to be like really sort of feminine and romantic. So they dress like really sort of like girlishness. And it's like, meanwhile, you've got a little bit of a punk rock side to you. Right. So I think accessories can be a really fun place to play with like bringing these different parts of your identity to the forefront. 
you know, my rule for people who are just getting started in developing their style is like, go a little bit more plain in the outfit and then use the accessories to have a lot of fun. So you can get a little punk rock with your accessories. You can get kind of traditional with your accessories. You know, you can like, I have these like pole dancing shoes that I like to wear. They make me, they make me feel really fierce, but then I'll just wear it with a really classic pretty dress. A lot of our folks, you know, are from like the poly and kink communities, right? And like, if you're submissive and you're looking for a dominant partner, there's going to be things that obviously are going to feel more dominant, more powerful versus submissive and passive and well, and also people, you know, like if you are a little more alternative-y and you're trying to attract somebody a little more alternative-y, showing up dressing super conservatively isn't necessarily right. People tend to look for that stuff for cues. So it's it's interesting in how that plays into not just how you want to feel, right, but also what it is that you're trying to attract and how you're dressing as well. Right, because clothing's a language. What I would say is that it's a light touch. I mean, that's the thing. Like... Like most people come to me and they're like, I, I don't feel sophisticated. And it's like, you can, you can be really edgy with a light touch. Like, like what I'm saying about like wearing a choker, like a choker makes me feel like I'm, you know, honoring that, that part of my sexuality, but it's just a choker. Like I'm not out there in like full on, like, you know, bondage gear. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or you can just wear like a bracelet that like kind of signals that, I remember one time a guy hit me up and um, on, it was on Tinder or whatever. And I can't remember what the context was, but he was like, he like clearly was finding me very edgy. And I was like, I, maybe he was trying to sext with me already. And I was like, not that into it or something. And I was sort of like, what, you know, where, where are you getting all this from? And he was like, in one of your pictures, you're wearing a leather skirt. And I was like, <laughs> like le- that, like, I was like that Gucci skirt, like the Gucci, like knee length the vintage Gucci knee length skirt, you know, to me, that's like super fashion forward. He saw leather and all he thought was she's edgy. Now I give up, you know, I think, I think people can feel our energy too, but like that, I think that story is really interesting because it's like, it's a light touch. Like that's the thing about like being quote unquote sexy is people are like, Oh, I have to be sexy. So they're like, boom, like, let me go crazy. And it's like, you don't have to, you know, like people, people pick up on what we're saying. It's sort of like, you know, like I'm an over talker, as you guys can tell, like I'm very, very wordy. And I have to like remind myself, like, I don't have to say it five times, like light touch, Christine, like you can say it once, you know, people understand it. So it's like, you know, you can pull it back a little bit and still be really hot and really sexy and communicate. Something. So I'm, I'm, I'm just really giving some thought to this whole dressing kind of dressing sexy for somebody that you're already with thing because i really think it's somewhere that people people tend to fall off and i'm not i'm not 100 sure why it's funny before we had you know sat down and talked about doing this podcast with you it's not honestly a topic that i'd given a lot of thought to but you know we we talked to a you know a lot of the people we talked to or like i said they've been in relationships for a while and it's I don't want to say things have gotten stale because that doesn't tend to be the main problem. They tend to have a lot of other things going on in their relationships, but, but part of it definitely like generally like one thing that they are working on is, well, I I think the easy way to put it is, is, is an example with like 
people in open relationships, right? It's like if you've been with your partner for 10 years and you're around them all the time with like, you know, your hair in a bun and sweatpants and then you get a new partner and, you know, you're dressing to the nines, you know, every week to go out. And that's the only time your partner sees you dressed up that 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 gets a little uh it burns. It creates a lot of jealousy. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting that we how we don't put that same effort into like we we very few of us, once we've been with somebody for a while, really go through the effort to create that kind of sexy vibe, like to make sure that we're, you know, we're we're taking care of our appearance and we're, you know, minding kind of how we look clothes wise. And But I also wonder if it's not just relationships. Like you look at people, their first couple weeks of work or the first year or when they're trying to get a promotion and they dress up, they look nice, they, they, they put in an effort. And then once they have the like pension and they know they have the job, they start showing up not shaved. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, like is it this idea? I don't know. My being, work wasn't a great place for that example. It, it's not. Your, your work wasn't. But I've, I've worked in the general workplace years and years and years ago. And I've also, you know, just general places that I've gone and, and done business with and seen how people change. Like I had an acupuncturist for a while that I was going to see. And when she first opened her practice, she dressed up. She prettied herself up. She she got, you know, the whole the whole nine. And then once she had her client base and once she was like established and she moved her 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 practice into her home and it was no longer a practice that was out. She showed up in and and was dressing like sort of like a grandma, like you know, like it was like what you would expect to see when you were bringing cookies to your grandmother. And I wonder if it's if there's some sort of correlation between comfort, this idea of like being comfortable in a situation, versus seeing the benefit of of bringing the joy out in yourself. Well, yeah, I think it. I think I mean it. It. Uh kind of sounds to me a little bit like it's a thing where it's, you know, people don't view it as something good to do for themselves. They view it as effort, right? Taking care of themselves or dressing up as effort. And it's once you don't have to put the effort in anymore. Why, why do it? It's, it's sort of, it's, well, it's a little bit manipulative though, right? Because I mean, it's like now you're doing it just to get something that you want instead of doing it because that's who you are. You, you simply are a person who is sexual, right? Like I had to go through this transformation in my sexuality. So I've been single a long, long time. I had a really, really tough relationship. Um, I shut down, you know, I've done a lot of work on it, a lot of work on myself. And so I've been single a long time, uh, which is sort of interesting because before that I was in relationships for like 14 years back to back, right? So, you know, we have our seasons, but like being single has taught me a lot about honoring my needs simply because they're important. So what happened when I was single is instead of like my sexuality living with my partner, my sexuality, I, I had to learn how to become a sexual person and sexually satisfied person on my own. Like, what does it mean to just live in really delicious sexual energy? And like, I'm not always up for you know, a one night stand or sex with a new person. So that meant like, I had to just literally learn, like, how do I keep myself sexually pleasured? For me, that came out in dance. Dance became a huge part of being embodied and like being in my sexual presence and my sexual energy. But I think it's the same thing with clothes. It's like, 
are you doing it because it's going to get you this thing that you want? Or are you doing it because simply this is who you are? You are a person who lives out, you know, closer about artistry, closer about communication, closer about self-care, closer about, there are about a lot of different things that are really good for us. So, so can you do, can you just do that for yourself on a daily basis instead of like, I'm going to dress for the promotion or I'm going to dress to get, get this person to like me or, well, I think that's I think that's the thing though, right? I don't think most people are dressing for themselves. I think most people are dressing for the people around them. So at the point where they feel like they don't need to anymore, you know, they kind of lay off on the effort. Well, then hmm. maybe you need to be around people who like start valuing the people around you. <laughs> I mean, cuz you can do either. You can dress for yourself, you can dress for others, you can do both at the same time. Right? But like I mean, that, it just keeps coming back to this question of value. Like, how much do you value yourself? How much do you value the people around you? How much dignity are you giving to your work? How much dignity are you giving to your partnerships? Like, so, so something that we we talked about kind of earlier that I think is is a, a very uh, good topic for this this show is we talked a little bit about how you had kind of worked more recently with people who don't necessarily fall into the the typical uh uh boxes yeah boxes i guess is a good way to put it there you go way to keep that on brand i appreciate that you're welcome um and so i am curious as to you know people who so you know we, we deal with a lot of people who they don't fall in those typical boxes right they're like we have people who are non-binary all different orientations. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of, all kinds of things. So what, what are some things when you're, you know, you don't maybe fall into the typical boxes that you should be looking at as far as, cause it can be really hard. I think for people to approach fashion when, you know, it's not just something where you can go and, you know, go get the, the standard kind of set of advice for what, you know, uh, a woman in her thirties should be dressing like, right. A professional woman in her thirties should be dressing like. So how do people need to approach that differently? Like where can they go for information and, and what do they need to do differently if they don't fall into those normal archetypes, I guess, that, that people tend to think of with fashion? Well, they can definitely come to me for information. Um, I would say, you know, it's really honoring all of your identities and bringing, creating space for all of those identities and you can create coherence across that with the style principles that I've, I've told you about. So for example, you know, if you are non-binary and you want to dress in a way, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe you want to dress in a, in a way that's really femme. Maybe you want to dress in a way that's really sort of, you know, masculine, traditionally masculine. Maybe you want to dress in a way that's more in between or androgynous. I mean, the, like playing with these like gender expressions of masculinity, femininity, trying to get outside of them can be really fun and really, really exciting. It's just that you have to make sure that you're resting on certain principles, like are the cuts right for your figure? Are the colors, you know, doing justice to your coloring? You know, are you wearing really high quality fabric? Is the tailoring good? Does it fit you? Like there are certain things that are really important to pay attention to. And I think where people run into trouble is when they, when they ignore all that different stuff for the sake of like, expression or they don't express at all right like that's the other side of it is like okay i don't know how to play with this expression so i'm going to like 
you know, shut down and just be like super head to toe, like conservative or whatever. And that doesn't really work either, right? The exciting thing is there's a lot in history to look at. And there's a lot in, there's a lot to look at in other cultures as well, right? Like I spent time in American Samoa when I was an anthropologist. I spent some time in American Samoa and they have a category called the Fafafini, which is a, a category of human who is raised, it's usually a man raised as a woman, and they have a particular sort of set in society, and they dress in a particular way. And this is their category, just like the chief, there's a category for chief. And it's like, it's not weird. Like in the US, we make, you know, we make it weird to be like anything other than like super this or super that, right? It's just part of regular everyday life in American Samoa. And so, you know, it's sort of interesting, like, okay, well, how are the Fafafini and Samoa dressing? Right. Or like how were folks dressing in, you know, like Marlena Dietrich is a really interesting example to me. So, you know, I think what's really exciting about being non-binary and really exciting about being alternative is there's a there's place for creativity. There's place for expression. But like any good artist, you have to like like good artists dig into historical, traditional, cultural, visual references. Good artists educate their eye style, you know, particularly for someone who's trying to do it differently is a form of creativity. So I would just say, educate your eye. You know what I mean? Like, like dig into like what is available to you in terms of visual references and have fun with it. You can look like a rock star. Like I had like a 60 year old client and she wanted to look like a rock star. And I'm like, you can look like a rock star, but you don't have to be head to toe purple feathers and purple glitter. You know what I mean? Like we can still make you look really fucking cool and like have you look super sophisticated and pulled together. You know, we live in a global economy and our, our purchasing contributes to a larger community of people. By continuing to put purchasing power into fast fashion, uh, which is, you know, the name that's been given to mass market clothing. So uh, think Walmart, think Target, think Zara, um, you know, think um, uh, most of the high street brands. You know, um, I would even, you know, at times include J. Crew or Anthropology or uh, any of these any of these stores. But yeah, by, by continuing to put our money into uh, fast fashion, you know, folks are just continuing to contribute to a, a system that is harmful labor, particularly for women and children. Um, you know, it is, is like horrific for the environment. You know, um, clothing, uh, you know, is, is, is just clothing that isn't destroyed is just continuing to clog uh, particularly poor nations their landfills are just filled with these with these clothes giving to goodwill is not a solution right because goodwill actually can't sell all the clothes that are being donated um and so these clothes are being shipped to places like haiti shipped to places like costa rica uh, where they just continue to um you know harm the environment Uh, the best bet is uh don't participate in fast fashion um, buy, you know, clothes that are at a higher price point, buy less clothing, significantly less clothing for more quality that's made by uh, artisans and people that are paid well. Um, there's a lot of, you know, newer clothing labels and lines that actually share information with consumers about uh, their labor practices like Everlane. Everlane.com is a great example of this and it's a really reasonable price point. Um, you know, they have pictures of their factories. They, they're they really clear about how they 
who's producing the clothes and where the clothes are going. Activists suggest that uh, if you're getting rid of clothes, that those clothes are destroyed. So don't give them to Goodwill. Goodwill has enough. They, they, they can't handle all of the volume. So yeah, I think that's just really important to know is like what you put on your body is not innocent. You know, there's just like food, you know, people are becoming more conscious of food and what goes into our body. We also have to think about uh, our clothes. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much with us. Um, We are going to do the speed round. Are you down for that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So with the speed round, the idea is to get through uh, the questions as fast as you can. So it's supposed to be like really quick uh, questions. The idea is to try to get done like under a minute. Um, I think the only person who's ever actually beat that has been man cub when he came on the uh, podcast, but uh, we always challenge people to try to get him done really quick. So not super thought, uh, real quick. Um, all right. So the first question is, what is something you're not very good at? I'm good at everything. <laughs> awesome answer. Best piece of relationship advice that you've ever received? Put connection first. What are three things you can live without? Mm, Gucci, black coffee, and love. What turns you on? Mm, my man. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Oh, wow. That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know how to say that quickly. Gosh, what do people not agree with me on? Oh, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of birth control. I think it, I think it fucks everything up. I'm not a fan of putting hormones in my body. And, uh, I think, you know, it, it screws up relationships. Yeah. I think birth control is a mess. A book that you would recommend for our listeners. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. What is your biggest fear? Um, I don't really have a lot of fear, actually. I, I live, I live in a lot of faith and abundance most days. So like no, like being scared of clowns or anything like that? Nope. Uh, Okay. You know, well, I'll say something that I used to be afraid of, but I haven't seen one in a while, but I used to be afraid of really hairy spiders, but I haven't seen one in a while. So I don't know if I'm still afraid of them, but probably. What's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? It could be sexual or non-sexual. Oh, um, the most adventurous thing I've ever done I think probably spelunking in a cave in Mexico and swimming in an underground cenote in the dark, which was like both magical and also pretty, pretty nuts because we couldn't see what was in that like underground cave water. In terms of sexual adventures, gosh, there's been so many fun sexual adventures. Um, I think, you know, I met a man in Finland one night. He was delivered to me by my friends. I was sitting at a table and and bemoaning my last breakup. I was in my twenties, and they uh, they ran out into the crowd and picked out this Finnish god and delivered him to me. And we had this like really um, whirlwind, like amazing, like transcontinental two month, uh, like obsessive love affair. So I think maybe like flying back to Finland to see him and having him come to New York City and see me. It was really it was really adventurous and fun. Absolutely. So who is your like movie star, TV star crush? Oh, movie star boyfriend. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's just so many. Uh, and I can never remember names, which is a problem. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, maybe? I know that's like really like trite. Everybody's into him. He's just so damn charming. And he dresses really well. So I like that. 
So what's something you're working on right now that you'd like our listeners to know about? Well, I've gotten really deep into Tantra. So that's been super exciting for me to kind of experience that side of sexuality. And um, I'm having a really fun time just working with tantric energy and, and like bringing energy up in my body, playing with my sexual energy, but not necessarily like having to be super goal oriented towards orgasm. And that's been a whole new kind of world for me because like when you, not that, I mean, Tantra is like, you can have orgasm if you want to, but it's sort of like the idea is like take it off the table for a while. So you can just like really enjoy the journey and it's just completely changed my sexuality. Awesome. So where can our listeners find you? Amazing. Yeah, definitely. So um, my new brand isn't launched yet. Um, I'll, I'm going to have a flat, uh, fashion platform that's coming out soon. So they can follow me on Instagram and I'll be announcing that on Instagram at, at Christine Malsbury, M-A-L-S-B-A-R-Y. Um, or on Facebook, also same name, Christine Malsbury. Um, and then my personal styling services are under my brand, the Brazen Beauty Movement. Um, so that's all my luxury personal styling uh, work. And yeah, super excited. And we'll put links to Christine at atouchofflavor.com forward slash 055. All right, Christine. Well, it was fantastic talking to you. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and um, just taking the time to talk to us and our listeners. It's been awesome. Amazing. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was really fun. really enjoyed myself. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. 